just welcome you here today. And I thank you all for coming and for being part of what we're doing here at Gate City Vineyard. I'm so excited about what God wants to do here. He loves this place. He loves you. Um, and he loves to pour out his love and his spirit upon us. That's what he likes to do. He wants to connect. The, he wants us to be a place where the, 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 the veil between heaven and earth gets thin. And we begin to see the heavens come here. We begin to see God's presence here. So that's, that's something that I believe God wants to do with us this morning. We are finishing up the book of James, if you can believe it. We've been on it for eight weeks in the book of James, so we're finishing it up today. And while um, a lot of James has been pretty tough, right? Pretty hardcore. He gets at us on a lot of different things, but he ends us on this really wonderful positive note. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in this morning to reading from James 5, verses 13 to 18. Let's read it together. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Then let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them in, with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, and even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Amen. Amen. You know, I don't know, some of you might remember a number of years ago, a certain televangelist got himself a little bit of ridicule because he claimed to have prayed for a hurricane that was about to hit, and then apparently it turned, and as he prayed, you know, when he prayed for it, and it turned and went out to sea. So he took credit for that. Now, he got some ridicule for that, maybe rightly so. I'm not 100% sure we can th think that he actually, through his prayers, turned a hurricane around. But, but this is the sort of thing that we hear sometimes. We also go on the TV, and you can see faith healers on there, and they're doing all kinds of amazing miracles, right? People getting up from wheelchairs, astounding things happening. And yet at the same time, we hear those same healers and people, you know, talking about give me some more money, uh, we need money for our ministry, if you give money, you'll be blessed, or sometimes we hear that they have, you know, a scandal surrounding the ministry. And so we are right, in a sense, to be a little skeptical, all right? It's okay sometimes to be a skeptical, to say, is this stuff real? Is this legit? It's hard to know on this side of the TV screen, isn't it? In a day and age where just about anybody can set up a camera and a YouTube video and put anything out there, you can doctor any photo, I think we're right, in a sense, to be skeptical. Let's not be gullible Christians, okay, and believe everything we see and everything we hear. And so we, we don't know um, that there is, could be some truth and some error in those things that we see online, on the TV, on the internet. And yet this week, here we are in James, and we're faced with this sort of hard-to-believe passage. He says, um, you, know, that, that, you know, that the prayer of faith will make the sick person well, and then he gives this crazy example of Elijah praying, and for three and a half years it didn't rain. <laughs> One British preacher used to say that his congregants would beg him not to preach on that dodgy bit at the end of James. And I love that, that's dodgy, all right. It's definitely dodgy, you know, praying not for the rain, all of this. What do we make of all of this? And an important truth for us this morning is that we cannot judge what we see in scripture based on how people in the world implement scripture. 
okay? We don't base what's in scripture based on what we see around us, even if it's misused, even if it's applied in places where it shouldn't be. We need to look at the word of God. We don't know, and we may never know, if some of the faith healers on TV and people saying they trade for this and that, we don't know if that's of God or if that's just all a show. We don't know. But I do know that the word of God is true. And I know that what God says is true. And so when we are faced with a passage like this, we are asked to examine what it means for me. We don't deflect and say, well, what all those other people? No, no, what is God saying to me? How does this matter to me? Now, some of you may have come out of churches or church traditions which say that all, that miracle, all those miracles, all those healings, that's all done now. That because Jesus came and because we have the Bible, we don't need all of that. That's called cessationism, as I'm sure many of you know. And it's a, it is a, it's a way of thinking about miracles and healings and anything that smacks of the supernatural. And I will tell you that here at Gate City Vineyard, we don't believe that. We believe that God works miraculously here today. And actually, not a lot of churches do believe that anymore, that are Orthodox, Christian, Bible-believing churches. Um, it's interesting that the charismatic movement of the 80s and 90s, of which Vineyard was a big part, um, suddenly saw a lot of miracles coming back again. God was moving in, in signs and wonders and healing and, and so forth. And so a, a, while, of course, there can be counterfeit and of course there can be exaggeration, yet we saw, and so many of you here probably lived through that, that you saw that God moves in, in the miraculous. God does do healing. God yes. is real. The gifts, the miraculous gifts are here for us today. It's true. And, and, and we don't just take it based on our experience. We look at the word. All right? And if we look at the word, there are plenty of healings in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and never anywhere do you see any indication that those things were meant to stop. There's nothing in the scripture that says that. Um, in fact, Jesus did a lot of these healings, right? He healed lepers and blind people, and he delivered people from demons and all this kind of stuff. And did you ever hear him say, well, this is just for me to do. You know, you guys don't do this. Does he ever say that? No, in fact, he says a complete opposite. He says this astounding thing in John 14. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Do you believe that? That's pretty astounding. And this passage from James is another one that kind of indicates that God wants this to continue. He's telling elders, elders come up and pray for people and they will be healed. He doesn't say just the elders that he has right at that moment. No, we're supposed to, we're meant to have elders all throughout the centuries. There have been elders. We have elders in this church today. He's saying this is something that elders do. They pray. And when they pray, God heals. So, so we believe that healing is for today, that God still heals, that he still works in miraculous ways today. Now, one reason we know this important truth, other than what I've already told you, what's in the scripture, what we see Jesus saying, is that healing is God's nature. It's part of who he is. Um, great passage in Exodus 15, 26 says this, I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your healer. It's in God's very nature to heal, just as it's in God's nature to be loving, to be just, to be holy. He's also a healer. That's what he does. It's his nature. And so he's certainly going to always act in accordance with his nature. He wants to be a healer. Uh, it's certainly within his power. I used to have trouble with all this when I was younger, and then it kind of occurred to me one day, look, if God 
could speak a word and the whole universe would be in place. If he could hold the whole thing in his hands, if he's got all history, you know, holding in his hands and designed and and sovereign over all of that, if he can heal individuals, you know, if he can do, of course he can heal. I mean, what am I, why am I questioning? Of course, he has the power to do it. It's not that much of a stretch. So part of his nature is to heal. And we also have to understand that healing is part of the atonement, the salvation that Jesus brought predicted in the Old Testament and fulfilled through Jesus, it, that would, it, was, it was about healing. And now let's read, let's read it. It was predicted in the Old Testament. Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah to come, and he said this in Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and poor our suffering, speaking of the Messiah to come. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought him peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's from the Isaiah, that's from the Old Testament, predicting the Messiah to come. Well, you might say, well, he means like our spiritual wounds, our spiritual wholeness. It's actually no. If you go ahead to the New Testament and you see that Jesus went around physically healing people, right? And here's what Matthew, the gospel writer, reports about that. He says, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to Jesus. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. And then what does he say? This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. So scripture tells us that God is here not just to do a spiritual healing, he's here to do a spiritual healing for sure, but he's also here to do a physical healing in us. This is part of who he is. Uh, Another verse talks about this, Psalm 103, verses one to four. Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord my soul, forget not all his benefits, who what? Forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Now I think it's funny how we tend to prefer one or the other, don't we? We tend to prefer either the spiritual or the physical healing. Some of us love talking about how Jesus will save you. He's going to save your soul. You're going to go to heaven. You can be forgiven. You can even be set free of all those inner pains and wounds and emotional. God wants to do all this healing. But let's not talk about that physical healing stuff. That's a little weird. That's the dodgy stuff. And we get a little nervous when people start talking about that. But then the reverse is also true. That there are sometimes those of us who want to just talk about the spiritual, the physical healing. You know, people getting up out of wheelchairs, I mean, that's much more exciting, right? I wanna see God move. We say, oh, I didn't see God move yet. Well, it's because we didn't see something physical like that, and we, we really wanna see that, and what happens is we minimize the really important work that God does in our souls. That's a really important work. God wants to do both. God's spirit is moving, whether he's healing people in their souls or healing people in their bodies. He is at work. He is at work here. He wants to work. So God is doing both. How does he heal? We're going to just go through, we're going to learn from James this morning. How does he heal? We're going to go back through this passage. I want you to note how many times the word prayer is used. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the what? Prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
I think I'm getting the message that healing comes through prayer. (laughs) We're meant to be praying. That's why we do what we do. At the end of a service, we have something we call ministry time, right? It's a kind of a response of ourselves to the Lord. We come up for prayer. That's not just an afterthought. That's not just for, you know, like, oh, good, the service is over, let me go. That's a time for you to say, am I meant to be praying for someone or am I meant to be prayed for? Because that's where a lot of the spiritual work is done. Okay? This, this is very easy. You're, in a sense, you're passive. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit is working on you while I'm speaking or while the music is going. But when we go to prayer, that is when God then begins to deal with us individually. And God's power can be shown. So that's, that's an important part of our service. That's why we do that. It's not just for super spiritual people. I want to encourage everyone to show up at Relisa and Joy and Terry's training on prayer next Saturday. I want you to blow them out of the water. They think they've only got a couple people coming. I want them to see. I want them to have a crowd. Because I want all of us to be praying. You don't have to be on the prayer team. We won't force you to do that. But you need to know how to pray. We need to know how to pray. This is how God moves. It's how he heals. You wonder why things aren't going on in your life? Are we praying? I was just meeting with my spiritual director, and I was telling her something I was struggling with, and she goes, well, have you talked to God about it? And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to do that. (laughs) So... God, we need, to be, we need to be praying. And, you know, I hear people say, well, how do I know when I pray for someone and they get healed, it seems like they get healed, that it wasn't just a coincidence. I mean, people go into remission for cancer just by whatever, and sometimes things get, just get better on their own. How do I know it's my prayer? Isn't it just a coincidence? And you know what? We don't know. We honestly don't know what exactly our prayers do. We don't know if it's just a coincidence, but here's, here's what I think. When we start to pray, I think we see a lot more coincidences. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> I think we see a lot more coincidences. So let's be praying. Now, I know that perhaps a few of you in here are somewhat skeptical, wondering if God's really doing this today. So what I wanted to do is tell you a few stories, some things to build up our faith, to show you that God really does move and he really does heal, and he has throughout all of the centuries. I'm gonna start way back at the beginning. This is in the first couple centuries of of Christianity, of this, of this, um, of the early church. And this is a, a quote from William Barclay who wrote about the early church and quoting from some early church historians. It says this, few communities can have been so dis- dis- devotedly attentive to their sick as the early church was. Justin Martyr writes in the second century that countless people possessed by demons were healed by the Christians when all the other exorcists had been unable to cure them and drugs had had no effect. Irenaeus, writing late in the second century, tells us that the sick were still healed by having hands laid on them. Tertullian, writing midway through the third century, says that no less a person than the Roman emperor, Alexander Severus, was healed by the anointing of the hands of a Christian called Torpatian. And then in his gratitude, he kept Torpatian as a guest in his palace until the day of his death. God's been healing all along. It's not always recorded, but we got a few that are recorded. And so God has been healing all along. Now I want to fast forward a few thousand years and tell you a personal story of healing. So when I was in college, I worked at a college um, sort of cafeteria, cafe kind of place. So it had a counter, we made sandwiches, we did burgers and fries and all that kind of stuff. And so that day, I was working the fries, okay? And you know how fries work? You have a big, big, deep vat of hot boiling oil and then you have these little baskets that you put the frozen fries into, 
and the basket has a little hook on the end, in the front of it, and you, you latch the hook on the front of the vat of oil, and then you lower it down in there, and that's how the fries cook, okay? So I'm there working the thing, I pour the fries in, I take the basket, I go to hook it on the thing, and I miss the hook. So the whole thing plunges to the bottom, the whole basket plunges to the bottom of the hot oil. And without thinking, I plunged my hand in after it. Not the smartest move. I'm beginning to think that maybe after running into a, a, a door last week and then now this, you're thinking, wow, she is not the brightest bulb. But anyway, too late now, you got me. So, so my hand is in the hot oil. And I, of course, whip it right out and someone grabs it and puts it under the water and I'm freaking out. Because it was hot. And... At that moment, my friend Martina just happened to be about to order a sandwich, so she was right there. Martina was my freshman roommate, a good friend of mine from the church, very, very much in the spirit, you know, like she had grown up with all this stuff, she knew about God and healing and all this stuff, she was way ahead of me, I was kind of newer in my faith, and I just, and so she saw what happened, she lunges over the front of the, of the counter, puts her hand on me, and starts praying, loudly, in front of everyone, mind you, loudly in tongues. And, and now I got two problems, right? Because one problem is my hand is burned off, but the second is like she's, I'm so mortified, right, that she's doing this in front of all these people. This was not normal behavior, okay? This was not. And so she's praying and praying and praying and praying. Finally, I get the guts to take my hand out of the water and look at it. And as God is my witness, my hand was fine. It wasn't even red. It wasn't even red. Now, the only thing that was wrong with my hand was the very tiniest little spot, tiny, tiny little spot that was turning into a very angry burn. It was red and bubbling. It was just the tiniest little spot. And I thought about it later that this was God reminding me that this is what my whole hand should have looked like but that he's bigger than a vat of hot oil. Amen? Amen. Amen. God is real. I was there. I was there. The last story I want to tell you is just from a couple weeks ago. Paul and Relisa and I were at the Vineyard Conference, and um, just uh, as, as Vineyard people will tend to do after every session, they had a ministry time. So they had that time of people coming up to be prayed for. And what I loved about it was it was very um, non-emotional. It was not all, you know, the music playing and all this stuff. Sometimes the music wasn't even playing at all. Um, they just would very much say, like, okay, now we're going to have ministry time, come forward to pray. And sometimes they would invite, you know, certain, certain types of people, like young people at one point we prayed for. We prayed for people with a calling on their life, etc. But he also, the leader there, had his phone out. And he would very matter-of-factly read what were some words of knowledge, some, some insights that people had received from the Lord in that moment to, for somebody that needed healing, okay? And so they must have had a system set up where you could text this guy if you were sensing something from the Holy Spirit. And so they would sense it and send it to him. And so he would just stand up there and read it, like matter-of-fact, like he was reading the newspaper, right? So he'd say, uh, okay, so, so there's a woman here who has a shoulder pain and it's, you know, it's, new, it's a new thing that's happened and it's really hurting. You know, would you come forward and be prayed for? And then you'd see some lady come walk up and she'd go get prayed for. And then he said there was another man who had his feet were hurting really badly. There was something wrong with his feet. So uh, we want to pray for that. And then that person would come up. 
And then they'd go on with what the rest of what they're doing. Very matter of fact, like God just wants to heal. And there's a word we have about this. And so the guy who was leading said, you know, I would like to check these things out. So the next day he would report in on what happened. And the lady who had the shoulder pain said she had just injured it. So it was a new injury. And she had just injured, she was about to go to, uh, to urgent care with it. But she was in the session and she said, you know, uh, Lord, uh, if you have something for me, I'll, I'll do that first and then I'll go to urgent care. And so then the word came and so she went up and was prayed for and the pain was gone. Amen. God healed her, Amen. just like that. Amen. And the same thing happened with the man who came forward with his feet uh, and he, was, his, he told the, the, the leader, he said, I was, you know, my feet were in agony. I forget what was wrong with his feet. Um, but anyway, he, he was in agony with his feet. He went up for prayer, and as they were praying for him, his foot started shaking just a little bit, which can sometimes happen when you're praying for healing. And, and he walked away with no pain. There's no pain. He said, it's just inexplicable. And the next day, the guy asked him again to make sure. He said, you still all right? He said, yeah, the pain's gone. So God is still a healer. Do you believe it? Can you just say amen? Amen. He's still a healer. He still wants to move today. He still is moving. When we think about real faith in the real world, which is what we've been talking about in the book of James, concrete, palpable faith, there's nothing more concrete than that. I was sick and you made me well, Lord. This is how God, one of the ways that God wants to show a concrete faith in us. We are not crazy to ask. We're not crazy to ask. God wants to heal us. Now, I know there's still a few of you in the room who are saying, okay, that's all really nice, Beth. But the elephant in the room is, what about all the other people that don't get healed? That happens all the time, right? As many people as I've prayed for to be healed, as many as more has been not healed. And so what's up with that? Did we do it wrong? Did we say the wrong thing? Did we not have enough faith? Did they not have enough faith? What's going on with people not being healed? And I want you to know that scripture has many examples of healings, but also has examples of people not being healed. One, the most formidable, Apostle Paul, okay? If anybody is holy enough to be healed, it should be Apostle Paul, right? And yet, what does it say in 2 Corinthians 12, seven and nine? He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We don't exactly know what the thorn was. Some people think it could have been an eye problem. Some people think malaria. It might have even been a non-physical problem. We're not 100% sure. But, I mean, he pleaded with the Lord. That kind of breaks my heart, right? Paul, like, pleading. This thing was obviously so troubling, and God did not heal it. God did not take it away. Another interesting example is Timothy, his protege. Uh, Timothy was the leader of the Ephesian church. And Peter, or Paul, as he's writing to Timothy in the book of Timothy, says this, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So he was sick a lot. He had some chronic condition, right? And yet God chose not to heal him. We don't always understand or know why the healing doesn't come. And we, we aren't necessarily going to always know. But scripture gives us a few things we can look at. Now, these... It's not always one of these things, but there are some reasons that are given in scripture that we may not be healed because of these reasons. So it's good to know. And the first one is unconfessed sin. 
James says it right there in this passage. He says, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. This does not mean that anytime anyone's sick, it's because they've sinned, okay? This can be abused, right? Are you sure you haven't sinned? Find another sin, are you sure? Repent again, <laughs> you know, because they're not being healed. No, that's not how this works, but sometimes, that, you know, our, we are mind, body, spirit. We are a whole person, and so sometimes our spirit can affect our body and our body can affect our spirit. So we, we need to ask, is there any unconfessed sin? 1 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about it. He talks about people taking communion in an unworthy manner, not allowing the Lord to examine them, right? So they come into communion in a sort of a sinful posture, and what does he say about it? That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Interesting, right? So that is sometimes the reason that we may be sick is because of unconfessed sin. Jesus also healed an invalid and said to him, see, you are well again, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. So confession of our sin is important. It's really important. Now, I have a funny story about this. Back in New York, I had a nutritionist who I met with um, from time to time. She was lovely. We really enjoyed each other. She was Jewish, and I, she knew I was a Christian pastor. So we used to have, actually have some spiritual conversations as we were also talking about my eating and all of that. And so um, I was meeting with her this one time, and I happened to that week be prepping a sermon uh, almost like this one on, on this passage of James about healing, all right? So I was putting it together, and... Um, and I was meeting with her, and it happened to be around this time of year as well. So I was telling her that I had, you know, my nutrition, nutrition-wise, I had been eating a lot of Halloween candy, okay? And so this was a problem, you know, as we were talking about the Halloween candy. And she said, all right, listen, is it gone? Like, are we done with that? Like, is it all gone? And I said, well, uh, yeah, it's all gone, except Nate, my son, who was living at home at the time, you know, he still has a bowl of it up in his room. And then she says, so are you going up and stealing candy out of his bowl? Which I thought was a very rude question, honestly. And I said, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe a little bit, maybe every day, maybe, yeah. And so she said, she looked me straight in the eye. She said, you need to fess up. You need to confess to your son that you're stealing his candy and ask him to hide it so that you can't get it anymore. And I said, you're not gonna believe what I'm preaching on this week. I said, I'm preaching from a book called James by a guy who's the brother of Jesus and it's in the New Testament and he says, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. And she started laughing, she shrieked, she goes, that's it, this has gotta be in your sermon, this is how you're gonna to come to health, you're gonna confess, you've gotta confess. She said, I agree with James, I like him. And so I did, I confessed. And Nate hid the candy, which was very sad. <laughs> now he doesn't live there anymore, so I don't have any uh, candy hidden away. But, but, you know, all to say that that confession of sin can be part of our healing for all kinds of reasons, in all kinds of ways it humbles us to acknowledge to God that we need him. And so while we shouldn't always assume when we're sick that we have sinned, we shouldn't assume that, but it's not unreasonable when we are going through something, a physical illness, to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything I need to confess? Is there anything I need to confess? And to confess it to God and to someone else. James specifically says, confess your sins to one another, which is interesting, so. Now, a second reason healing may not come is that God sometimes shows his strength in our weakness. 
And this one's a little harder, in a sense. Um, the Apostle Paul had this. He, he had that thorn in his side that God didn't remove. And he said, why? Because God said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. So there's times when God will allow us to go through something in order to sh give, show us his power in us, to be doing a work in us. It's not because he's mean or spiteful, but it's because he's doing a deeper work that we can't learn any other way. How many of us know that it's been in those hard times that we've often learned more from him than in the easier times? And so God is, is doing that. And so here's our response. Here's what our response needs to be to God. We need to say, Lord, I'm asking you to heal me. I mean, let's ask. He says I want to heal, so let's ask. Lord, I'm asking you to heal me but also show yourself strong in me whether I'm healed or not. Can I say that again? Lord, I'm asking you to heal me. Ask in faith, ask in hope, ask knowing that he loves you, but also show yourself strong in me, Lord, whether I am healed or not, be glorified in my life. That's the goal, that God is glorified in us, whether we're healed or not. I like to remember the story of uh, the man who was born blind in John 9. And we, we see the situation where people say to Jesus, um, was he, is he blind because somebody sinned or because he sinned, because his parents sinned or he sinned? And Jesus says, neither one. So this is a case where it had nothing to do with sin. He said, this happened so that the works of God might be glorified in him, right? And then Jesus goes on and heals him and God was glorified, right? We talk about it now, he was healed, right? So it's, it, God was glorified. What I like to think about is what it was like five years before that. Before Jesus came on this man's life, before Jesus was even on the scene, really, and this man, here he is, he's been born blind, he's been living with it his whole life, he's probably begged and begged God to take it away, he's had people say, well, you, know, you must not have confessed all your sin, there must be something wrong with you, so he has struggled and struggled through this hardship his whole life. Now I ask you, is God going to be glorified in his life? Yeah, but just not yet, five years later. Some of us might be five or 10 or 15 years before the healing, before the answer, before the realization, the revelation. We might be called to be in that waiting place. He was called to be in a waiting place. We don't know that he handled it well. <laughs> he might have been really grumpy about it. We, he might have been crying out about it, complaining about it. But we might be in that waiting place. And yet God can still be glorified in how we trust God in the waiting. Can we trust God in the waiting? James said it in the first chapter. Always James, he's always got a good word. Count it all joy, what? When you encounter trials. Because those trials are producing perseverance in you and maturity. So you can be complete. So that may be one of the reasons that God is doing a deeper work in us. Now the third reason is maybe even the hardest of all. The third reason sometimes we are not healed is simply because it's time for us to go home. And this one's hard when it's somebody who we love, when it's somebody who's young, uh, super, super hard. But our days are numbered. The scripture says this, and it's, it's kind of comforting in a weird way to be reminded of this. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, Psalm 139. Job 14:5. a person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. 
And so we don't know what those numbers are, right? We don't know what those limits are for any of us, so that's why we pray for healing, we pray for long life, we pray that God will work and will move, and, and so we pray all those things, and we should pray all those things, but then we have to realize that God is still sovereign over it all. My, uh, my neighbor's mother-in-law passed away very suddenly, that she lived with them, and she passed away very suddenly in the house, it was, very, it was a horrible scene, and, and I remember asking him, you know, how are you doing with all of this, it was so surprising, and uh, he said, I'm, you know, I'm upset, of course. He said, but I, he said, you know, it's funny. I've always had this view that when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And so that just gave him peace. It's, there's something simple about that, <laughs> that God's got it in his hands, and he knows. He knows. And we have to remember that when God calls a person home, he immediately heals all his diseases. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more tears. That's the ultimate healing. We're all healed eventually when we go to be with Jesus. Amen, amen. That's the victory of the believer in Christ. So God's a healer, amen? I wanna talk about two more quick practical things before we go into doing some prayer for healing because we're gonna pray for each other. We wanna pray for healing this morning. We wanna practice what we preach, like James would say. And so I wanna just talk about two practical things. One is the oil, the anointing oil. Okay, what's with that? A lot of confusion around the anointing oil. This is actually the only place in the scripture where it's mentioned. James says, mentioned as far as for healing. James says, is any one of you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And people get a little hung up on this as if this maybe was like a kind of medicine. Maybe people thought oil, which they kind of did think it was medicinal, but you know, so is it like rubbing a little like a Neosporin on your wound or something? Like what is it, you know, is the oil doing that? Is it medical? Um, Is it, you know, sort of a magical thing? Get the oil on there and it's gonna work. Um, Is it a sacramental thing uh, that just like the kings were were anointed with oil? Are we somehow, what does it mean? And I will tell you that there's not really a clear answer to that, okay? There's some things in scripture that are just not laid out super clear. There's a lot of differences of opinion, different scholars interpret this differently. Um, But it's not James' main concern. His main concern is that we pray. And the oil is not magic and is not necessary. There's so many healings in scripture that took place without oil. Jesus never anointed anybody with oil. Actually, he anointed people with, do you remember? (laughs) Spit and dirt. (laughs) We're not gonna do that, okay? We're not gonna gonna do that. (laughs) You'll never come up for prayer then. Um, So we use, you know, when we look at the oil, why why do we use it then? I, I believe it's because it's an important symbol of the Holy Spirit's presence. And so it builds our faith to, and, and it's an anointing, it's like they anointed the kings, this is, it's an inviting of the Holy Spirit's presence on this part of the body wherever we're anointing them with oil. And so we have the oil here, you know, we are happy to anoint you with oil if that, if you, if that would help your faith. But if you're like, that's weird, I don't really want that, that's okay too, God can use anything <laughs> and he can work without the oil, all right? So that's, that's a smaller concern, but it's something that comes up as a question. The second concern is maybe a little bit more important and it's should you pray, when you pray for someone's healing, should you pray, Lord, if it's your will, heal them? Or should you just pray, heal them? <laughs> um, I used to go to a church that believed that God always wants to heal, so therefore, if you ever prayed, Lord, if it's your will, heal so-and-so, that that was like faithless. 
that somehow you're introducing doubt into the situation because of course God always wants to heal so you should never pray that way. We got, got looked down upon if you prayed, if it's your will. And, you know, it is true that God always wants to heal. He is a healer. We talked about that already. Um, and it's also true that sometimes we throw in, if it's your will, because it hedges our bets, right? So if the person doesn't get healed, then like we don't look so stupid for praying. <laughs> so sometimes we do throw that in there just because we don't really believe that we're just kind of throwing that in there to cover all our bases. Church, we gotta remember that praying to God for healing is not a slot machine. It's not, you know, put this prayer in and that's faith and this prayer and say it this way and suddenly poof, out comes the healing. This is not how this works. Coming to God for healing is like a child coming to their father and asking for a request. The father, of course, loves the child, wants to bless the child, wants every good thing for that child, but you know what? Sometimes the father says no. Sometimes he says not yet. Sometimes we get it as a kid, and sometimes we get it when we're older, why dad said no to that thing, and sometimes we never get it. Some of you are still mad you never got a pony. But that's, God, of course, your Father in heaven wants you to be healed. He wants every good thing for you, but sometimes his answer is no or not yet. And so I want us to beware of that teaching that I believe it's a false teaching that comes out of some word of faith type of movements and charismatic movements that says that if you pray, if the reason you're not healed is because you didn't have enough faith or you didn't pray it right, you prayed if it's your will, any of that. That is, I believe that's very damaging teaching. Because it adds then now guilt on top of the fact that you didn't, the, the prayer didn't work and now you, somehow you're blaming yourself for it. Who's in charge of healing? You're not the healer. You're a conduit at best. Barely even necessary, honestly. <laughs> we should really remember that. We're just, we're just a side participant when we pray for someone for healing. And... It doesn't depend on us. In fact, James even says in the last chapter, he says, we ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So this is a scriptural prayer. Don't feel bad about praying if it's your will, but pray in faith. Pray confidently that you pray to a God who loves you and that he wants to heal. Our trust is not in how we say it or in the person praying it, but it is in God, Jesus is the Lord, he is the healer, he's the one in control, he's got the power, he's got the timing, it's all about him, our prayers for healing need to be about him. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. The last point to that is that at the end of the day, sometimes we can't fix things with a prayer. I know sometimes we just think, if I just prayed more and better, I'd fix it. We pray frantically, God, you've got to make this better. We're heartbroken. We, you've, got to, you've got to fix this, God. And we get really rocked if he doesn't. And Jesus says, in this life, you're going to have some trouble. I'm sorry, you're going to have some trouble. So I know that this morning, some of you, this may be painful because you have been experiencing hurt and pain. You've been going through a disease. You've been going through a chronic condition. You've been going through things that have been very, very hard, and you keep asking God. And, and like the Apostle Paul, you're pleading with the Lord to take it away, and he's not doing it. And I just want you to know that he's, he's not, not healing you because you said it wrong or because you're wrong or because you're a bad person or because he's angry with you. He loves you. He is walking with you. It's a mystery we don't know. 
And he's saying, just would you hold my hand and trust me? Just like a father who's walking his child and the child's afraid, like I don't know. And he says, just hold my hand and I'll take you through it. He wants you to hold his hand as you walk through this. And your healing may be coming, but not yet, but not yet. Elizabeth Elliot, who had one husband killed by natives on the Ecuadorian mission field and a second one then died a little bit later of cancer, said this, there will be no intellectual satisfaction on this side of heaven to that age-old question, why? But although I have not found intellectual satisfaction, I have found peace. And the answer, I say to you, is not an explanation, but it's a person. Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God. Amen. So what does this mean for us at Gate City Vineyard? I want you to know we're gonna be a church that prays and believes for healing. We're going to pray for healing. Um, Everyone may not be healed. We're gonna be okay with that. (laughs) It's it's in God's hands. Um, At the Vineyard Conference, one last little story. Uh, They they showed us videos of John Wimber, who was the early um, founder, uh, one of the founders and and kind of early leaders of the Vineyard Movement, and they showed some videos of him from the 80s and 90s, so some really early ones, they were really great. And, um, you know, Vineyard Vineyard and and Wimber were known for uh, having a ministry of signs and wonders. I mean, things happen, really powerful, uh, miraculous kind of things happen in his ministry, but this was kind of before that. And he was just kind of coming to the revelation that the Lord, that the Bible is clear, that miracles are, are real and that healing is real. And so he was, he was starting to preach from that because he saw it was true. But, you know, inside he wasn't quite sure about all this stuff. And so he said the bad thing about preaching on something is that people start to believe, think that you believe what you're preaching. <laughs> and so, you know, he was like, his, all his people were like, oh, let's do it, let's do it, let's pray, let's start doing it. And he's like, uh, yeah, let's wait. You know, let's just talk about it for a little while. Um, and uh, so... So they, finally, he gave in to them. He said, all right, fine, 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 we'll pray. And so they had a healing time, and they had people come forward, and everyone was prayed for for healing. And he said, nobody got well. And he said, in fact, all of us who prayed for them to be healed all got sick. <laughs> we caught their colds and all that. And he was so mad, and he went back to God, and he's like, what? You know, I'm not doing this anymore. This is dumb, and I feel like an idiot, and I don't want to do this anymore. And God said, don't preach your experience. Preach my word. What does my word say? Preach, don't preach your experience. Preach my word. And maybe that's where a few of us are, that we feel like we've prayed a lot and not seen a lot of God moving in that way. But let's not act on our experience. Let's act on God's word. We're gonna keep praying. And Wimber said they continued for a year to have healing times and nobody was healed for a year until finally one person was healed. (laughs) And then it began after that. The rest is history. The floodgates were opened. So I want you to know that we're going to pray for healing. We're going to be a church that believes for healing. Um, We're going to keep praying. I want to encourage confession of sin. I do think that if the Lord, if you're being prayed for and a sin bubbles up, something comes to mind, I would say confess it. It's probably, it may be part of the healing. We don't know, but I would encourage us to do that. Sometimes that humbling is the only way we'll get healing. I also want to make a point of saying that I also encourage you to go to the doctors. None of this says we don't go to the doctors, all right? We're so blessed to live in this world and this, this country and in this time period where we have such great medical care. And God has anointed and inspired and given the intelligence to all those doctors and nurses and researchers to figure out how stuff works. 
So there's no, no problem. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith to go have the doctor. Even Paul says to Timothy, take a little wine for your illnesses. Like use what you have available to you to feel better, to be healed. Sometimes God's hands are gonna be through the hands of surgeons and doctors and hospitals and so on. But prayer is not gonna be our last resort after all that. Prayer is gonna be the first thing we do and the middle thing we do and the other thing we do and the end thing we do. We're gonna pray throughout for God's healing and sometimes his healing will come through a more natural means and sometimes it'll be supernatural but we're ready for either one, right church? Amen. Your God is loving and able. This is our last week in James. It's interesting that he ends this way, right? After all the hard stuff he told us about our words and about favoritism and about our money and all that, we end with this bit on healing. And I think it's part of the whole theme of James. That James is about being a whole person, right? A consistent person, being the same person here as you are here, being the same, what you say you believe, you're acting on it and not something else, right? So it's being whole and consistent. It's being a healthy person, a healed person in every way. And so I think it's wonderful that he ends with this, for us to seek the Lord for healing, our internal healing, our emotional healing, our mental healing, and our physical healing, that God wants to do that work in you today. He wants to do that work. Uh, I'm gonna invite the band and the ministry, uh, the prayer teams to come up, because we, are, of course, are gonna end with prayer. <laughs> We're gonna end for prayer for healing. Um, and I would imagine in a, in a room like this, there's, there's, I don't know, five, 10, 15 people at least who have a physical ailment that you'd like God to heal. Now I know you might have prayed for it a million times already. Uh, You might have given up. You might just say, this is what I'm gonna live with. And I say, let's ask God one more time. Let's ask God, let's keep asking God, let's not give up asking him. And so I I want you to be bold this morning and come forward and ask for healing. I know there's also probably just as many people here who have emotional, need for emotional and mental healing, that there's something going on inside your soul that's really hard, there's anxiety, there's fears, and you want God to heal that. This is also a time for that, for healing, to come up for healing. And so I'm gonna ask you this morning to be bold. And if you have a physical need, if you have a spiritual need, an emotional need, would you stand and would you begin to come forward? We have um, prayer team over here. We have an elder as well, a couple of elders and another prayer team over here to come forward to be prayed for because God wants to do a work here this morning. He wants to work in us. Let's pray. Lord God, I invite you to come and to heal. I pray a release of healing gifts in this place, Lord. I pray for a release of your power. I pray for people here in this place who need physical healing. Lord, would you cause them to come forward and to ask? There's no shame in asking. There's no reason not to ask. The worst that happens is nothing happens. But the best is that God works. And our faith is, is, is built. So Lord, we we come before you with faith-filled hearts, with knowing that you love us. Would you heal? We come before you, Lord, and we believe. We trust you, Lord. We're gonna just
just take a few minutes, let people be prayed for, the music's gonna play. If you're, if you're just sitting out in the congregation, would you pray for the people that have come forward? Maybe pray for people you know who aren't here that need healing. Would you start to pray? You can pray. Your prayers can bring healing as God works through you. Let's pray.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence that is so palpably here this morning. Lord, you are moving. Lord, you are here with us. And so, church, this morning, I pray you just leave here built up in your faith, built up to know that your God cares about you. He's here on all, anything you need, the big stuff and the little stuff, he's here for you. If you still would like prayer, our prayer teams are going to stay here. The music's going to play. So please come forward. Don't feel like you missed it. Come on up. But we're going we're gonna to have this opportunity for you every week that you can be prayed for. Go forth this morning, church, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in faith, in trust. Put your lives in his hands. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you that are ready to leave, you're welcome to dismiss quietly, perhaps, uh, so we can allow the prayer to continue. Thank you. Have a great day.